In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. God willing, today we're going to continue studying in the book of Leviticus, um, starting in chapter 3. Does anyone want to summarize for us uh, chapter 1 and 2, and all the different details and the types of animals and the rights and everything that we talked about? Yeah, so first of all, what are the two kinds of offerings we talked about? Burnt and grain. Burnt and grain. All right. So do you remember anything about them? The burnt offering is an optional offering, and there's four types of animals. There's the bull. Well, there's more. There's a bull, the first level, and then the second would be the goats and the lambs. Yeah. And then the pigeons and the doves. Okay, good. And so if a person can't offer the bull, they can offer the from the from the herds would be the bull from the flock would be the goats on the sheep and then otherwise it could be the doves and the pigeons right okay good what else do we know five five ways for green offerings five ways can you name all five there's one in uh, if it's cake one if it's uh in a, in a pot. Yeah. So if it's a so so for first the first one is if it's just grain itself, so the flour itself. Then if you're going to make it into a cake, you can make the cake how? In a pot. You can make it in a pan. In a pan. Another you one with a pan and a lid. Yes, with a covered pan. And a covered pan. And you can make it with what else? In an oven. In an oven. Good. And then just the the seeds of the wheat before it's even. Yes. So the grain, the, the yes, the seeds. Okay, good. So you guys remember a lot, okay? Huh? The first fruits is the then also when you offer the first of the harvest. Okay, good. Um, so we're going to continue, um, and today we're going to speak about the peace offering and the sin offering. These two more offerings, okay? So the peace offering is discussed in chapter 3. Um, also, chapter 7 talks about some more details about some of the offerings, including the peace offering. Um, the purpose of the peace offering was to consecrate like a fellowship meal, like a peace. Think of the word peace as like peace between man and God and peace between man and man. Okay, so consecrate a meal between two or more parties before God and share that meal together in a fellowship of peace. Okay, so this represents reconciliation with God and man. And this is, I think, the only um, the only offering where everyone was allowed to eat from it. Right. There are some offerings where the the people, the, the priest would eat this one, not even just the priest would eat, but the person who is offering also would eat as well as other people could eat. OK. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. OK. So while in the burnt offering, the sacrifice has to be a blameless male. OK. In the peace offering, you could have a male or a female sacrifice that could be offered. The burnt offering is completely offered as a burnt offering to the Lord, meaning the entire offering is burnt, okay? Symbolizing that Christ offered himself completely to the Father. The peace offering, which also represents Christ, but the focus is on the reconciliation between God and man and man with each other, okay? Receiving a female sacrifice refers to the idea of the church representing the bride of Christ. So like the entrance of the church as a bride to enjoy unity with her, her groom, which is the Lord. So the idea here that, that the, the female um, uh, offering represents the church. 
He shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. So this is very similar to, so far, the burnt offering. Okay. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. So certain parts of the animal, these fatty parts of the animal are removed. And Aaron's son shall burn it upon the altar, uh, uh, burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Okay. So again, um, no one from the burnt offering no one is allowed to eat any part of the burnt offering at all but is completely burnt after it's been skinned and cut and washed in water and then placed on the altar that's the burnt offering here okay the people could share in part of the the sacrifice okay and there's no mention of the skinning cutting or washing okay putting the hand on the head of the sacrifice is like again identifying with the animal as a sacrifice and offering a sacrifice to god for thanksgiving and and so um, so so again, there's a lot of similarities, right, between these offerings, but there's slight differences. If his offering as a sacrifice of peace to the Lord is of the flock, okay. So um, now the first one was again of the bulls of the of the herd, and now it's of the flock. So if if he's not going to offer a bull, he's going to offer a sheep or a goat. Um, is of the flock, whether male or female, he shall he shall offer it without blemish. It's pretty much exactly the same. Okay, if he offers a lamb as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord and he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting and Aaron's son shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the off of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, its fat and the whole fat tail, which he shall remove close to the backbone and the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food and offering made by fire to the Lord. So those are the parts that are burnt, right? Uh, not the entire animal that is burnt. And if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. So again, he said if it's a lamb um, and now if it's a goat, it's the same thing again. He shall lay his hand on its head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting and the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from it his offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food and are offering made by fire for a sweet aroma, uh, all the fat that is the Lord's. Okay. What's uh, significant about the fact that the part of these parts of the animal that's being offered to the Lord is the best parts. It's like the fatty parts, which are like the best parts of the animal, right? Those are the ones that are being offered uh, to the Lord. This shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and all your dwellings. You shall eat neither fat nor blood. Okay, so he's telling the people you are not to eat the fat because of the animal. The fat is to the Lord. Okay, and the blood is also not to be eaten. The blood is what's representing salvation through the remission of sins by slaughtering the animal. Okay, so this again is the only sacrifice that people are allowed to eat from. There's a portion for the altar, 
Okay, the portion for the altar is the fat, which is the best part. That's the part given to God. There's a there's a, a part that is actually for the priest. It's not mentioned here in chapter three, but um, when more details are described about the peace offering in chapter seven, it says what in, in, in chapter seven, verse 31, it says, and the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his sons. Okay, so what is Aaron's and his sons? The, the priests. Okay, so the, the priest shall take the, the parts that are mentioned here to cut them up, burn them on the altar, the fatty parts. Then the breast of the animal shall be taken by the priests, okay? And actually it says that the priest is to wave it as a, there's another, there's two other terms that you'll hear in the Old Testament when it comes to offering, which are wave offering and heave offering, okay? Have you heard these terms before? Wave offering and heave offering are not like two different types of offerings compared to this, but there is like a, it's like an action, a motion that is done as part of the offering, okay? Do you know what a what a heave offering is and what a wave offering is? What do you think they are? Wave, like you take whatever you're offering and you wave it like this. Hmm? Not like incense, but just you, you wave it like this. You're offering it to God, you wave it back side to side. And heave offering is when, when you heave something, what do you do? Like when you when when you when you're lifting something, right? So you're taking something and you're lifting it up like this to the Lord. That's called a heave offering. Okay, so so the the portion again, this is mentioned in chapter seven. But the portion of the priests, okay, he waves it to the Lord as a wave offering toward the tabernacle. Okay, there is also so that is the portion for like the priests in general, like all of the priests could share whenever someone is making an offering, they could share in the breast of the animal that is being offered, okay? There's also a portion for the specific priest that is making the sacrifice, okay? And in verse 32, it says, Also the right thigh you shall give it to the priest as a heave offering from the sacrifices of your peace offerings, right? So the thigh you offer it as a heave offering given to the priest making the sacrifice. The All of the priests could share in the breast after making a wave offering of the breast okay there's also then the portion that is left okay is for who the person who is offering the person who is offering and if there's anything left over after that it was given to the poor so you can see whenever whenever people are making peace offering what happens like when one person makes a peace offering what happens a lot of people get fed right which is very interesting right like a lot of times we think about the sacrifice as being like a very personal thing like a person it's their own animal they're coming to make their own offering and it's only affecting them as individuals and that's it right but here we see that when anyone anyone at all makes a peace offering okay then a lot of people get fed okay and again it goes back to the idea of what is the purpose of the peace offering it is about reconciliation it's about unity and fellowship among the body with God, okay? So it's saying it's like we are all, like the actions of one person is affecting everyone. And spiritually, we see this, of course, as well. Like when you have people who are living a good and righteous life, they are a representation uh, of like a model for everyone to follow. When a person does good service, like that service is benefiting everyone, right? And, and even in when we take the Eucharist now, when we take communion now, we are in communion with each other. Right. So again, this is symbol symbolic of the Eucharist because we are we are through the Eucharist being reconciled to God, being reconciled to one another, 
This is also why in the, in when Christ was saying, if you come to make your offering and you find that your brother has something against you, leave your offering at the altar. First, be go reconcile to your brother and then come and make your offering, right? Because you cannot make an offering, which is then going to um, benefit everyone, benefit your brother, while you are in an enmity with your brother, right? So again, you have to make peace with them. That's why it's called the peace offering, okay? Yes. What about this verse? Uh, so... The Israelis will not are um, are commanded to not eat fat or drink blood in any circumstance. So eating blood, definitely, they don't eat blood in any circumstance. Um, uh, as far as eating the fat, I'm not sure if that would apply s just to when they are. I think it would apply only to when they are making the offering, but I'm not 100% sure. Like I'm not sure if this necessarily applies to all food that they eat, um, but but. Yes, and all your dwellings. So yes, I guess that would be them. They would not. They would not eat fat at all. Fat is always seen as being like God's portion. Okay. And so it's not a very long chapter. That's chapter three. Any questions about chapter three? Peace offering. Okay. Chapter four is the sin offering. Okay. Now the the the, the y yes. question but um, someone had mentioned this verse to me before to justify that we have to eat meat well done so I was just wondering if this verse still applies <coughs> so I've heard of this and some people do practice this out of like an abundance of caution but I will also add that the redness of what you see in like a steak is not blood it's the juices of the animal but it's not blood. Blood gets cleaned and drained out before you even get there. So it's not that when you eat a steak that's like rareish, medium rare or whatever, that you're eating blood. You're not. Okay. But some people, out of an abundance of caution, they don't want the possibility of eating blood, and so they will only eat meat well done. Okay. <coughs> so we have now two more offerings or t yeah two more offerings we're going to speak about one of them today and you know um but but th th there's, there's a lot of similarity between this one and the next one so this one is called the sin offering the next one is called the trespass offering okay and maybe uh there appears to be like a lot of difference or a lot of similarity between when we think of sin and we think of trespass okay in general right when we think of w what is the difference between sin and trespass okay Trespass, you can think of trespass, or maybe another word we can use for it is transgression, the difference between sin and transgression. Does anyone have any ideas? What do you think is the difference between sin and transgression? The transgression wasn't intentionally made. Okay, so you're saying sin could be something unintentional? Transgression is unintentional? I can't, I can't remember which one was one, but I remember something like that. So something's different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Could a trespass be like uh, a law that you know you shouldn't have broken and you, and you did it, but a sin is like a separation from somebody completely? Okay. So, okay, so you're on the right track. Transgression is against the law. You can't transgress unless there's a law that you're breaking. Okay. So like for instance when you trespass there is there is 
like a law or there's a boundary and you're choosing to cross the boundary. It's a trespass, right? This is why there was no such thing as transgression until the law was given. So like, for instance, before the law was given by God, people could sin, meaning they could do things contrary to God's command. But there was no explicit law telling them how they should live and what is it that they should do. Once the law was given, now they can, uh, of course, still sin, but they can also trespass. Okay, And so trespass comes along with it, the idea of a more intentional act. It's an act where you are, like there is a law that is known that you should be aware of and you are choosing to violate it. Whereas sin could be something that is either unintentional or because we are not aware of what is it that God is expecting of us to do, right? So for instance, God was more lenient about certain things, right, in the Old Testament than in the New Testament. Maybe because the people were not aware of, of what God's standards were, right? But once God's standards became clear, then he became more strict with enforcing the law, okay? So according to some scholars, when we're trying to study the difference between this sin and the trespass offering, okay, the sin offering represents an atonement for the one who is offering it as in, in a general sense, rather than for a particular sin. So it's not like they necessarily committed a very specific sin, and now they are coming to ask for God's forgiveness about this sin. So it's like somebody committed murder, right? The, the sin offering is not the offering that you would offer, like after you committed murder. It would be the trespass offering. The sin offering is more of, like in a general sense, of atonement for a person, rather than for a very specific sin, okay? The trespass offering, on the other hand, represents atonement for a particular sin committed by the one who offers it, right? Um, and this is why we find the sin offering and not the trespass offering being presented during feasts on behalf of the whole congregation as a general and collective atonement for the whole congregation. So whenever you want to have the congregation as a whole make a sacrifice and asking for God's forgiveness and atonement, they are not asking for forgiveness for a very particular sin. They are asking for atonement in general right? Because, of course, the congregation as a whole, they all haven't committed necessarily the same sin. They're asking for atonement in general. So that's why they offer the sin offering rather than the trespass offering. Yeah. So in the book of Job, it says that Job would regularly do these um, burnt offerings according to the number of all of his kids. And he said, for Job said, it may be that my, sin my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So could it be that he was doing the sin offering? That's or is that the burnt offering? Because this one seems like he says maybe they committed this and maybe not. So let me just do an offering. So keep in mind that Job lived before this time, right? So Job was not trying to follow these laws specifically. Like, so there was an understanding in the Old Testament, even before Moses, that God accepted burnt offerings. But, but the exact details of how those burnt offerings were done wasn't necessarily known or described yet. And so whatever he's doing isn't necessarily falling into one of these categories. Okay, that's a good question. <coughs> the sin offering is presented by someone who commits a sin that does not warrant paying a material restitution for damage done to someone else. What does it mean? There are many specific sins that are outlined in, in, in the book, okay, and we're going to get to them. But saying if you commit this specific sin, then this is the consequence, meaning you have to pay back the person who has been offended by your sin in whatever way, okay? Those specific sins is not what you would offer the sin offering for. That's what you would offer the trespass offering for, 
Okay, so again, the sin offering is presented by someone who commits a sin that does not warrant paying a material restitution for damage done to someone else. Anything that's listed as requiring a specific consequence, that is then trespass offering rather than sin offering. Okay, the trespass offering is presented by someone who does commit a sin that warrants paying material restitution. Okay, and um, this sin offering. Uh, Offering, okay, that we're talking about now is described for four different people and there's slight differences between Who you are? Um, how is it that you offer the offering? The first is for the high priest himself So the high priest himself in order to for his own atonement for sin. He does it a certain way Then there is the atonement for the entire congregation as a whole Then there is for someone in a leadership position then there is four, just the common person. Okay, those are the four, um, the four different categories of how you make this sin offering. And if we look throughout the Old Testament, we'll find examples of this sin offering being offered in different occasions. Okay, so I'm going to list some of them. And uh, in this chapter, actually, it's considered the unintentional sins, the sins of ignorance of commandments of the Lord. So if somebody is ignorant of the commands of the Lord, but the law has been given, but they are ignorant of it, this sin, this offering is, is offered. At the time of consecration of priests, this is in Exodus 29, the sin, uh, the sin offering is offered. In Numbers chapter 8, the consecration of Levites. In Numbers chapter 6, the expiration of a Nazarite vow. The Leviticus 14, the cleansing of a leper. Leviticus 12, purification of women. Leviticus 15, purification of those with various kinds of issues. Leviticus 16, which is the Day of Atonement, which is a very special feast that we're also going to speak about. All of these uh, are occasions where the sin offering is offered, not the trespass offering. Okay? So we're clear about kind of the general difference of when you would offer the sin offering and when you would offer the trespass offering. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which ought not to be done and does any of them, okay, so again, it is a, it is a sacrifice that is going to be offered by those who fall out of weakness or unintentionally against any of the commands of the Lord, but not intentionally and not out of stubbornness or rebellion. Okay, unintentionally. Keep in mind that the number of laws that God gave is many, many, right? And and especially, um, th there was really no, I would say there's really, there was no time. There was no time where Israel as a whole was very compliant with any of the law, right? From the moment that the law was given, right, the people began to wander in the desert for 40 years. And during that time, they were not following any of these r rules or keeping the fasts or the feasts or the Passover or anything, right? Um, and at various times in the history of Israel, when Israel was prone to idol worship and the law was completely lost, no one was practicing any of these things. When, um, you know, when certain kings, uh, like Josiah, for instance, became king and he discovered the law, you know, nobody even knew what the law was or what was written in the law. And that's why he was so upset and he tore his clothes. Um, so there was really no time um, where, where we could really say, that Israel was very compliant with all of the laws um, that God had given them. So there was plenty of opportunities for people to sin unintentionally, meaning we are doing what is against God's law, even though the law has been given, but we just don't know it. We're not familiar with it. We're not aware of it. Okay. 
If the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, that which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. Okay? So here, this is speaking about the, the high priest, right? If the anointed priest sins, okay, what does he do? He brings guilt on the people. This is one other thing that we learn about, you know, very clearly in the Old Testament, is we see how, how the God sees the entire people as one. You know, if, if you look uh, back at uh, in, um, in the book of Joshua, okay, what happens in the book of Joshua? Then God loses, like the people lose favor with God. Why is it? Yeah, you're right. Jericho. So after Jericho, after the fall of Jericho, God had told the people, don't take anything, like don't plunder anything from Jericho. Um, but there was one man, his name was Achan, he did. And he did it privately. He did it by himself. He did it without collabora collaboration with anyone. And he took it for himself. And then not knowing any of this, Joshua and the rest of the people, they went to go conquer the next city, which was like nothing compared to Jericho. Like Jericho was this like gigantic walled fortress. And God, gr you know, granted them victory easily, right? By doing nothing, except walking around, right? Whereas, whereas the next city, which was like this little tiny city that should be so trivial to where Joshua even had said, like, I'm not even going to send the whole army to go and to conquer this city. They lost. Right. And then it was revealed that the reason that they lost is because God was not with them in the fight because this man, Achan, had taken some of the accursed things right from Jericho that they were told not to take. So the entire uh, people suffered because of the sake of the one man. Right. So so God saw that the entire people had been defiled because of the actions of one. And that's when you see. Um, whenever there are prayers of repentance that are being offered, like, look, if there's a prophet that's like offering prayers of repentance, like Samuel, for instance, or Daniel, he's always including himself in, in, in the group. Like, we together as a people have sinned against you. He's, he's there, no, one, no one gets called out by name. Be like, this person over here sinned against you, so we're asking for your forgiveness. No, no, we as a people, we together have sinned against you. And really, like, we as the church, we sin against God, right? All of us together, we sin against God. So here the actions of the high priest, of course, being the high priest, being like the highest rank of all the people, his actions would definitely bring like disfavor on all of the people if the if the high priest sins, right? And the high priest was a man, right? And he could sin like anyone else. And so there was a need for atonement for the high priest as well. And this is also when we're discussing the difference between Christ who was the great high priest versus the high priest of the Old Testament. It says in Hebrews 7, verse 28, For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of an oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. So they're saying Christ is the perfect priest, the high priest that is, that is without blemish, right? Which is why he could be like the substitutionary atonement for salvation of all the people because he was blameless, right? When we speak about offering a male bull that's blameless, he was blameless. He was not in need to, to make sacrifice for his own sins, right? Whereas the high priest in the Old Testament, though representing Christ, actually was ne needed to make uh, atonement for his own sins. So here in this sin offering, which again is not specific to any specific sin, generally, 
okay? All of the sins that the people are committing unintentionally and out of ignorance and, and out of weakness and all these things, okay? The, the, the priest himself is saying, how is it that he should offer? Okay, he is making this offering a, a young bull without blemish. He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, lay his hand on the bull's head and kill the bull before the Lord. So far like before. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and sprinkle it on the tabernacle of meeting. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. So now we start to see some difference. Okay, and you're going to notice that the priest is the only one who's doing this. Okay, and we'll talk about that. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall pour out the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So there were three places where the blood was put. What were the three places? What was the first one? Before the veil of what? The sanctuary, which is the Holy of Holies. So right, there's a veil that separates the Holy of Holies from the Holy, and so the blood would be sprinkled there. Okay, that's the first. Second is where? H horns of the altar of incense. Where is the altar of incense? Tabernacle of meeting. Yes, which, which part of the tabernacle of meeting? Outside. Outside where? Outside, like outside in the outer the court? Holy of holies. No, that's the altar of burnt offering that's in the outer court. The altar of incense is in the Holy. Okay, the third one is what the altar of burnt offering where he pours the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar. Okay, um, the blood here represents forgiveness of sin through the blood of the Lord and the blood is interceding for him before God. So again, this animal, this blameless animal is killed and the blood of that animal intercedes for the high priest who is offering it on account of his own sins, okay? And actually, when this sin offering is offered on the Day of Atonement, right, which is that very special day for the atonement of all of the people, he would also enter into the Holy of Holies and put the blood on the mercy seat itself. The mercy seat is the top of the Ark of the Covenant where there's two cherubim that are facing each other with their wings touching where God himself would appear so even on the, 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 the mercy seat, in the Holy of Holies, the blood. Because, again, it's like the, the, the priest here is like, he is the one ministering before the Lord. And so he is like saying, in the places where I am ministering, like where he enters into the Holy, and all of the places that he ministers before God, is like he is in, in need of the intercession of this blood before God for his own forgiveness. Like you'll see that the blood is not offered in these places when you and you go down the ranks to the other people. It's not it's not offered here in these places. The the priest is unique in the, in the sense that he goes and he ministers before the Lord in these places and so the blood is sprinkled on these places where he ministers. He shall take from it all the fat of the bull as the sin offering the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove as it was taken from the bull of the sacrifice of the peace offering. So just as the rules for the peace offering of removing certain fatty parts of the animal and the kidneys and whatnot, the same thing is used here. And the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering. So it takes those, after the blood has been sprinkled everywhere, 
takes these fatty parts of the animal, puts them on the altar of burnt offering, which is outside in the outer court, and, and, and they're burned. Okay? But the bull's hide and all its flesh with its head and legs, its entrails and offal, offal is like the entrails, the whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn it on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out, it shall be burned. So the rest of the animal that is not these fatty parts is actually burned outside of the camp completely, not even in the altar of burnt offering, okay? So, so again, what do we see here? Number one, we see the fat is burned on the altar, okay, just as before. All of the skin and the meat is burned outside the camp, okay? Again, this is representing a sin offering. This animal has symbolically now been corrupted by sin, right? Because, again, when, when you make a sin offering and you, the person puts their hand on the animal, like all of the sin is like transferred symbolically to this animal, and now this animal becomes guilty of the sin of the person, in a sense. So sin has no place in the presence of God, so it's like, and, and it's similar to how the Lord Jesus Christ himself was crucified outside of the camp, outside of Jerusalem. It says, for the bodies, this is Hebrews 13, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, which is what we just talked about, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Right? So this is St. Paul in Hebrews 13, speaking about the, the, the similarity between the way that Christ was crucified outside the camp in a reproachful way because it's like, it's like he, he, he bore the sin of humanity, right? And, and such a, a, a reproachful death, having borne all of the sin, right? Because, because he's um, just, like, just like the animal and the sin offering was burned outside of the camp because it is corrupted now with sin. So he's saying, let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. Like, let's suffer with him because actually he died for us. He died for our sins, okay? The entire sacrifice is burned, Right? So nothing is left. No one eats any parts of this. The entire sacrifice is burned because sin destroys the entire person. Right? So there is nothing left once this animal has been offered as a sin sacrifice. The entire animal becomes corrupted. There is nothing left of it to eat. There is nothing good left of it. It is completely burned. Part of it offered to God on the burnt offering altar and the rest of it burnt outside the camp. In Isaiah chapter 1, it says, The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putri putrefied sores, they have not been closed up or bound up or soothed with ointment. Meaning, because of our sin, we are entirely sick. Okay? So the whole animal should be destroyed. The skin, because it specifically mentions the bull's hide, right? The skin represents, like, the outward appearance Right, the outward appearance of a person. The head represents the sinful thoughts. The limbs represent like the feet that sought out sin, like took actions that are sinful and committed sin. The entrails represent like the inner desires. All the aspects of a person that could be sinful. From the outside, the way that I appear, from my thoughts, from my heart, my inner desires, from the actions that I take to, to, to follow and to commit sin, all of these things are represented in this animal and all are destroyed. Okay? Yes. So in the peace offering, they do the same thing of burning the fat, but it says that it's a sweet aroma 
to the Lord when they do that. I'm assuming it's not a sweet aroma when they burn the sin offering fat, or is that? Yeah, I don't think it's, it says about that it's a sweet aroma. Yeah, um, because it's not, it's not something that is offered like for Thanksgiving, right? It's something that is for atonement. Yeah. <coughs> okay. Um, also, it said that the blood, oh, where was this? Um, can't remember where we read this that the blood is um that the blood is sprinkled seven times toward the veil where where was that verse six the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary okay thank you so what is this what is this representing so the veil is what what does the veil represent Separation between God and man because of sin. And that's what we're doing now, right? We are saying that it is through the offering of this animal that the sin and the reproach is removed in order for us to no longer be separated from God. Now, of course, this wasn't actually done in real life because that only happened at the crucifixion. That's why at the crucifixion, after the Christ was crucified, the veil of the altar was torn in two. Okay, saying that the veil is gone. There's no more separation between God and man. But symbolically, right, when the blood is sprinkled at the veil, it's saying this veil that is like a separation between God and man, right, this blood is atoning for this to resolve this separation so that there is no more separation between God and man. Um, when we, we say about the number seven that it's a perfect number, right, so it's saying there is a perfect reconciliation, right, that's being done. A perfect redemption that's being done um, and of course again Christ was the true sacrifice that removed the separation permanently now okay so that was all for the first uh, offerer who was the priest okay now it's saying okay what if it's the congregation yeah the priests didn't own any flock or they didn't own anything right so when it says that they have to offer where would they offer from i think that they would receive everything that they had as through the donations so like even that they would be like donated to them but that's a good question i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure about that also i i, I can't I, I wouldn't say that they had no possessions whatsoever right they didn't have land but it's but they would they would still have possessions like they would still have houses right maybe maybe those things would be offered to them given to them in some way or they would be built through donations because they would receive money donations that the from like a part of the tithe that the people would pay so they would have money right and they did have possessions they just didn't have land possessions like like the way that the rest of the israel had okay now if the whole congregation of israel sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which should not be done and are guilty. Okay, so this condition is now if the whole congregation sins. Okay, um, the the we'll see here that there is similarity between the high priest and whenever the whole congregation sins because it's like seen like the high priest is like representing the congregation. Okay, 
Um, one of the silent prayers that the priest prays whenever he is choosing the offering, choosing the lamb and the offering, he says, Grant, O Lord, that this sacrifice be acceptable on behalf of my own sins and the ignorance of your people. Right? So it's, it's, this, it's the relationship between the, 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 the priest and the people. Right? So the priest is praying, saying, like asking God that this sacrifice that we're about to offer on the altar will be acceptable to God for the sins of the priest himself, who is the one making the offering, and for the ignorance of the people, right? The ignorance meaning all the sins that are committed in, out of ignorance or weakness of the people, okay? And so the sacrifice here, whenever it's being offered for the whole congregation, it's actually the same rites as that of the priest, okay? Um, so, so different than the elders or the the leaders and the other people, okay? When the sin which have been committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull, so it's still a bull, for the sin and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting and the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. So who's now laying the, the, the hand? It's all the elders of the people, representing all of the people, okay? Lay their hands on the bull uh, and... Uh, lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, then the bull shall be killed before the Lord. The anointed priest shall bring some of the bull's blood to the tabernacle of meeting. Okay, so now the priest is going to take the blood in the tabernacle, and the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. Again, the same way that it was done with the priest. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering, just as before, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take all the fat from it and burn it on the altar. And he shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering. Thus he shall do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. Then he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it as he burned the first bull. It is an offering for the assembly. Okay. So the rights for the sin of the high priest himself is the same as the rights for the entire congregation together. Yeah. How can the whole congregation sin unintentionally? What are if everyone is sinning unintentionally anyways, is it like a, a group thing that they're Yeah, like, like it could be like for instance all of the th the w the things that the people would do in order to invite God's wrath on them. Right. So, for instance, they would all be sacrificing or uh, worshiping idols or they would all, you know, intermarry with the Gentile. It's like a trend. Like, yes, obviously, each individual person would be doing it, but it's something that's been like adopted by, for the most part, everybody. Like some general sin, some general error that they're all committing together. Okay. And that's why on the Day of Atonement, Right, the Day of Atonement is one day where essentially it's a sin offering for the whole congregation because they are constantly sinning, right? And this again is could be, uh, again because this is the this is not for a specific sin. This is just general sinfulness, right? General sinfulness, right? General like we are all failing, we're all falling short, we're all doing various things that are wrong when we're asking God's forgiveness every year on the Day of Atonement. This is would be offered. Okay. So mine is confession. Like there is not a group confession. You, right, that we'll be sitting in a room like this and we'll tell you and then the I, I don't see that in confession so that's why I was confused unless well if there is group confessions and I don't know. Well there used to be uh, confessions in front of the congregation so it used to be that you would come in front of the congregation and you would confess all your sins to the in front of everyone but thankfully we don't do that now. 
Oh. Okay. Now, now the third, the third one is the ruler. Okay, the ruler. When a ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord his God, and anything which should not be done and is guilty. Okay. So what is he going to do? Um, here you're going to notice some differences. Instead of offering a bull, he's going to offer a goat, which is again one step less. One step less. And the priest here is not going to enter into the holy with the blood at all, but he rather he puts it, uh, 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 sorry, into the into like in on the to the veil. Rather he puts it on the horns of the altar of sacrifice and pours the rest at the base. Okay, so he's not he's not he's going to skip that first step, which is putting dipping his finger in the blood seven times and sprinkling it on the veil. That is not going to be done. Um, or if his sin, which he has committed, comes to his knowledge, he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it at the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour its blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering. So actually, sorry, um, I, so I misspoke before. Um, he's not even going and putting the uh, the blood on the horns of the altar of sacrifice, or of incense, sorry, of incense. The altar of incense is the one that's inside the holy, in the tent of the tabernacle of meeting. He, he would do that before for the previous two cases. Here, he's not putting the blood either at the veil or at the horns of the altar of, of incense and the holy. He's only doing it at the horns of the altar of burnt offering, which is the one outside in the outer court, Okay and pour its blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering. And he shall burn all its fat on the altar. This is like before, like the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. Okay? That's the third case. The fourth case, which is the last case, okay, is if a common person sins, someone who is not a priest, someone who is not uh, a leader or ruler, okay, this is just any regular person. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish. So what's the difference here? Female. For his sin which he has committed, and he shall lay his head uh, lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering. This is now exactly, the rest of it is exactly like what we just saw with the ruler. And pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat. As fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering and the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So it is here a sweet aroma, it says. So the priest shall make atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, so so that was with goat. So now if it's a lamb, and it's the same thing again. If he brings a lamb as a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Then he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. Then the priest shall burn it on the altar, according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for his sin uh, that he has committed, and it shall be forgiven. Okay? Um, so, 
this is the um, this is the sin offering. Okay. Um, does anyone have any questions about any of the offerings that we've talked about? Yes. Um, it was switched to female in case it's only one person. I, again, it's seen as being kind of like a hierarchy, right? The bull is like the, the male bull is like the, the highest offering, right? Because it's the most expensive animal, it's the largest animal, it's the biggest sacrifice, okay? And then you move down to the male sheep and goats, okay? And then if you go to the female animal, right, it was seen like the female is not as valuable of the, the animals, is not as valuable to have the female versus the male. So it was seen as lesser sacrifice. No offense, females. Um, okay. Anything else? Okay. Yes. Talked about uh, the priest um, uh, putting blood on uh, on on the on where the cherubim are on the ark of the covenant. Yes. When does that happen? That's on the day of atonement. On the day of atonement. Yes, that's the day of atonement. And we'll get to that. That's also in Leviticus. We'll get to that. Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We ask, O oh God, that you grant us understanding of all of the laws regarding sacrifice in the Old Testament, that even though we do not apply them today and we don't live them today, but we see, O oh Lord, how you offered yourself as a sacrifice for us and all the ways that were necessary in order for us to be redeemed and saved and atoned for. We thank you, O Lord, for your mercy and for your guidance and your goodness in everything. Grant us your peace and help us, O Lord, to always offer a pure and acceptable sacrifice to you in everything that we do. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.